0: the air. The stage is set. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Ah, for as long as we're in the studio, I think I can get used to that. Anyway, Aquaba, welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by-sides where we receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Last time out on the podcast, we discussed our recent international break with some interesting add-ons. This week, we're going to narrate our recent article, but before that, some add-ons and some brief news. Andre Ayew of Al Saad won his first trophy, the Amir Cup, so congratulations to him, following in his dad's footsteps. Thomas Partey got his first goal for Arsenal in an impressive win over Aston Villa. And El Clasico was over the weekend, in which gave Depay an opportunity to debut in that historic fixture. And although a defeat, in the main, he's playing well, I think the fans have taken to him. I think that's a medium-term project, so it'll be interesting to see how it works out for him. And the Champions League. With Leo and the Youth Champions League, we have a few players participating, so we'll update you. But be sure to look out for your fellow Ghanaians. It's great to have a yardstick for progression and levels Standards. Benicio Boti for Porto in the Youth Champions League got a win against Milan. And for Lille, in the Senior Champions League, Lille will go underneath the radar, with both Commandine and Doku good players. Lille were still with a chance of qualification in Group G. They play Seville in the reverse fixture, which will be key to qualifying. Lille will currently third, with Sevilla second. And the last bit of news, or story, I want to retrace our steps to episode 8, where the question was, how close is an African player to the Ballon d'Or since George Ware in 1995? Since then, for me, Mane was a player of the year in 2020 in the Premier League. And as of today, a free-scoring Salah is an informed player in the world, a hat-trick against United and impressive goals against City and Atletico Madrid. So maybe it's sooner than we think. The Ballon d'Or winner is announced on the 29th of November. But now to our article. We recently did What Would Nigeria Do? So today, to follow up, it's What Would Brazil Do? Which is out now on our website at teamganeu.com. We're back with another What Would Blank Do? And we're here with the five-time World Champions Brazil. I chose Brazil because they're the poster boys for world football, the poster boys for flair. So let's ask the question, what would Brazil do? With my experience in watching Brazil, I believe they would build it around their most talented player. Build a team around their number 10 or their number 9. You can develop a team for the next 5 plus years of building around the talented players and not the most experienced players, which is often the case for Ghana. Developing a team around your most talented players allows you to get the most out of them. Let's look at Brazil's number 9s and 10s in recent years. As well as their number 9s and 10s, I took the liberty of adding the traditional holding midfielder next to them, I did so because I found it interesting that all the star players of that generation and following from 94 won major honours. The only asterisk in the list would be Neymar and Casemiro, who played on Miss Glory in Rio at the Olympic Games or the Copa America in 2019 due to injury. Number one on the list was Romario Ndunga in 1994, in which they won the World Cup in the USA. Number two, Ronaldo Ndunga in 1997, in which they won the Copa America. And number three, Rivaldo and Gilberto Silva in 2002, in which they won the World Cup. And number four, as I just mentioned before, in regards to the asterisks, was Neymar and Casemiro, And I put 2016, but also 2019 as well. P.S. I've not noted your Ronaldinhos and Kakas, etc. Because they weren't the number nines and tens at the time of success. And please note, some of these players would have crossed over into different teams and generations. I'm going to rephrase the question. What do Brazil do? What gives them their flair? I look to a number of things that contribute to their success, like their population of 230 million people the 6th highest in the world. But what supports most Brazilians in football being a natural gift is the weather and their personality, it being a sport that can be played all year round to the smile and beat of a drum and samba. Which leads me into my next point, beach football, and alongside that, futsal, both sports which have relation to football and have a huge aspect of flair. Football is like a religion to Brazilians, but as well as religion is a pathway to success for many who have come from disenfranchised backgrounds, which adds to the drive and connection with the game. Now back to the question, what would Brazil do? Following the 2014 World Cup and the devastating 7-1 semi-final defeat to Germany, Brazil employed and Edu Gaspar to vanquish the goals of the 8th of July 2014. Edu, now at Arsenal, was Brazil's general manager and oversaw Brazil win their 12th Copa America title and their first since 2007. But what does a general manager for Brazil do? For one, Brazil, similar to some African countries, have many exports playing in Europe. So that has to be managed well, but what does a general manager for Brazil do? Teach, of course, manage everything on the field, but as a coordinator, Edu works with a large number of Brazil staff to plan each international break down to the smallest of details, including sorting out flight from Madrid to Brazil for those players plying their trade in Europe to travel to the training camp. With the amount of Ghanaians playing in Europe and for other nations, an Edu character or role is advantageous. Looking on, what have Brazil done in recent time to be successful? It's funny that I looked at the Brazil team that lost to Ghana in 2009, in Egypt, in the Under-17 World Cup final. I recognise none of the starting 11, barring Ganser who failed to live up to his reputation. Five years later, they were finalists in the 2012 Olympics, and in 2016, they were Olympic champions. So, early talent identification and implemented pathways for players is important. So not only is the monitoring and development of players taking place, but change can take place too. We discussed their population, but it's one of the reasons why they have a big pool of quality players to choose from. Second bullet point, we raise this in what would Nigeria do? But they have a proud identity, a sporty one and one of pride. To play for Celisão was an honour. There are other factors, but for me, these are some of the key components. It's with this they have created an identity and a foundation to build and create from. What would Brazil do to improve the circumstances around the current state of our national side? What are the differences in approach? It must be said, each country would have a different approach due to its resources. But whether limited resources or an insurmountable amount, the general management and coordination of both grassroots football and the national team will be the focus of how we can engage as many Ghanaians to play football as possible, including beach football and Futsal. Both on the rise, it must be said, but at the foundation of it all is Talent ID and the pathways that will provide opportunity for both the player and the Football Federation to select the best players for the national team. Edo Gaspar's role, working with a large number of staff, was to plan each training camp and international break down to the smallest of details. These details are important, including which seems to be a sticking point, identifying and attracting talent in the diaspora. In countries like the UK, Italy, Netherlands and Germany, Ghana must take advantage of this. As to bullet point 2, a sporting identity is important. In each corner of the world, most countries have an identity and style of football they play. In Spain, tiki-taka. And in Brazil, flair and samba. We must find ours. What would you do? What do you think? It's the international break again in a fortnight. We play South Africa in the crucial winner-takes-all game. We could be out of Qatar 2022, the World Cup, and only have the AFCONs to look forward to next year. That would be a massive blow. We've done what would Nigeria do and now what would Brazil do? Before balls kicked in a fortnight, what would you do? What would you like to see? And again, don't forget to check out our fantasy football exercise on our website where you're in the hot seat. It's also available on our Instagram highlights. You can find them either at teamgarneu.com or at teamgarneu on Instagram. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual, keeping up with the stories that unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnayou at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnayou on IG or Twitter. Thank you, take care, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.